Welcome back, Red Pill Empath and Truth Seekers. Little drum roll. book still on the controlled demolition of the USA empire. We are at 55% of the book, yay, and we are at the point still called their disinformation business, which is part of the part of the book that is called <laughs> identifying the support columns. It's toward the end, the control and at I'll delete part of the book and specifically is again their disinformation business. So the intentional promotion of false stories and lies has always been a cornerstone of the CIA's charter. Their job is to collect good information and keep it secret and they use disinformation to muddy the water in order to throw people off their tracks. Disinformation is horribly damaging to a free society and a very effective tool for those in power to cover up their criminal deeds. There is an art form to lying professionally but once the tactics are exposed and people become aware of them, they become far easier to spot going forward. Football players study hours of game film of the opposing team they are preparing to play so that they will be able to quickly recognize their formations and understand what plays they're running in order to position themselves accordingly. It is no different when it comes to spotting disinformation, and there is plenty of CIA game film to study. These are a few of the tactics that disinformation agents are taught in order to obfuscate the truth, promote lies, discredit those that are uncovering their crimes, and marginalize truth-tellers. They will sometimes question the motives of the people exposing the truth and will imply that they have a financial stake in questioning the official story. They will call the truth-seekers names like conspiracy theorist, right-wing, left-wing, unhinged, crazy, unstable, racist, terrorists, anti-Semitic, homophobic, Christian fascists, zealots, constitutionalists, anarchists, communists, socialists, among other things, even when there is no proof of their association with any group. They will attempt to deflect attention from the real meat of the story, their lies, and shift the focus onto the person exposing it instead. That's what narcissistic people do anyway. It might be spun that the person has an axe to grind with the writer or speaker, 
and that they are dragging their own personal opinions into their analysis of the situation, making them less valid. <laughs> there will always be an attack against the weakest portion of the person's rebuttal of the disinformation. Then, <laughs> this will be used to imply that everything else they are saying must be equally as weak. <laughs> the disinformer will never ever admit that they are lying, so one should not even bother waiting for it. Expect the disinformer to ferociously push back over the top with a statement like, how dare you accuse me of lying about something as serious as this. The more enraged, vicious, and vocal, the bigger the lie they are trying to hide. See Bill Clinton. See, this is how I see non vegans who fight back and are really vicious about it. They are just so much believe in the lie and it's so part of their ego that they're unable to, you know, get over the shock of finding out the truth. And then the consequent guilt they feel because their higher self always told them, but uh, the lie was made so well and we were all brainwashed to feel guilty for our sins. And that's why. So if they come at you and are nasty, remember that. Sure, you can just point it out to them. I just merely point out to them that, look, if my words offend you, imagine how much your actions can offend me, but moreover, those animals that are losing their lives. So, you know, or their babies. So to me, there is not even a question there. There is no discussion. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's why I don't waste my time discussing veganism with people. Just like, you know, we're not spinning on a spinning, we're not living on a spinning globe, as I call it, not, glo not globe, globe. <laughs> Just because, you know, it's such a globe lie, a glove. That's what I mean. So, anyway. Do not, do not expect a professional disinformer to ever actually debate the real topic and actual heart of the lie, but rather to dismiss everything as being rumors, internet lies, baseless accusations, speculation, personal attacks against their character, or a hit piece, piece, not piece, a hit piece by their opponents or rivals. So yeah, it's just, you know, something someone would throw at them. They will always attempt to deflect the accusations by accusing the accuser of being guilty of the very thing that they themselves are guilty of. This is known as projection, and it is very widely used by lying scumbag politicians, especially those wearing pantsuits. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> As an example, if they know they're actually colluding with Russia, then they will often accuse their enemy of colluding with Russia, preemptively, even before they are accused of it, and put that burden of defense on them. 
This works to remove the ability of the truth teller to accuse them of that crime because it will look ridiculous and childish, like they don't have much to work with if their only defense is no, you're colluding with Russia. Once the person that was the target of the projection responds with a verbal denial, usually emotionally, the next step is for the projector to accuse the truth teller of being overly sensitive to the criticism, usually because it is actually such, as, such an obvious lie that it must be proof that they really are guilty of the projected issue. The best way for a disinformer to hide something that they do not want to be known is to ignore it and simply refuse to talk about it. If that does not work, they might, they might just act stupid and pretend that they do not know what the person is talking about. Simple and effective. The opposite of plain dumb is to play far too intelligent and dazzle them with big words or baffle them with bullshit. The more technical the rebuttal, the greater the chance that the disinformer is trying to hide the lie behind big words and scientific answers that the average person is ill-equipped to respond to. Typical. A hybrid version is for the disinformer to describe the whole situation as far too complex for even them to explain and therefore too complicated for the truth seeker to figure out as well. They hope everyone will lose interest in the topic due to a lack of understanding and stop talking about it. When participating in a debate, be that a television political debate or one featuring the talking heads on the corporate news, these informers love to announce that all of the claims against them are old news and have been discredited long ago. These informers will demand proof from those challenging their version of events. Then, if proof is presented, they will claim that the evidence is incorrect, irrelevant, or invalid. It is not unheard of for these informers to simply manufacture new lies to try and validate their old lies, then create even more lies to back up the others. Multiple streams of the same disinformation, talking points will be activated and pushed into the corporate media at the same time to give the impression that uh, where there is smoke, there must be fire. Any good disinformation is 80% truth mixed with 20% lies. Just enough truth to check out factually to the casual observer, but not enough truth to actually be correct. These informers will often try to act annoyed that they are even being questioned about a particular event as if the case has already been closed and the science settled while trying desperately to change the topic completely. Politicians have been known to employ a tactic called a limited hangout, which is a partial admission to a lesser offense in advance, 
in order to give the impression that they are voluntarily disclosing all of the information when in fact they are keeping the juiciest details hidden. Yeah, of course. Another version of the fake confession is when people admit to vague indiscretions or crimes as mistakes that were made while never placing the blame on anyone in particular. They never own up, right? And the truth is that for me, it's not even about owning up. It's more that when you don't even admit that uh, you, you know, made a mistake in judgment or whatever, you're, it just shows that, you, well, you know, in a normal human being who's not doing it out of malice, it just shows that there is a split in the way, you know, one side of you sees it in one way and one side of, one side of you sees it in another and you need to bring the two sides together. Sometimes it's more than two sides, I'm just being general, but... So, when you find yourself reacting to something, usually it's some previous event that um, it's unresolved and your brain somehow puts the two together and makes you react. So if you tap and you actually you know, allow yourself to go back into your intelligent part of the brain, you will find a solution and you will also understand why you reacted to this. And this is not to say that when you find something wrong, you'll change your mind about it. You just won't have the same reaction. You'll actually be able to stay strong in your body, you know, be present and act instead of reacting, which is much different. So you'll come from a conscious point of view. I just, you know, and when dealing with non-vegans who get really mad, that can really help the situations. Um, because when they try and make you react, because ultimately they always try to employ tactics like calling you names, discrediting, making you feel like you are being a bitch. It's because they are just going through all of those things and they're projecting everything that's going on inside of them. They're just not really aware of it, you know, and... Maybe um, a person can be harsh sometimes, right? But uh, when someone realizes that, oh shit, I'm actually killing animals and justifying it, really, you think harsh words are as bad? Wow, you know? You know what I mean? It's like the logic is totally gone out the window, right? That's where you see they're reacting. They're not coming from their highest self and the problem-solving part of them. They're in fear mode and in you know reptile brain mode so don't even waste your time talking to them because it will not be constructive they need to come out of that state think about that probably and then they'll be able to have a conversation with you that's why i just don't go there anymore it's pointless these informers love to blame their accusers of wanting to dwell on the past yeah it's true while they want to put everything behind them and focus on the future, except their future is always the, a repeat of the past, right? They seek to distance themselves from their lives by trying to run from the past and into the future, where they're going to do the same things over and over with a slight difference. That's just my commentary on the side. When everything else fails, the disinformer might just crawl back into the hole from whence they came and disappear. Or, in the case of some of the political families that run Washington, 
the truth seeker disappear. <laughs> they are not above employing criminal law enforcement officers and judges and that are either corrupt or have been compromised to do their bidding. And even the nightly news cannot deny the existence of both types of criminals as they show a countless number of stories about corruption inside the halls of justice in America. True. The legalization of lies. When most Western people look at North Korea, one of the first things that jump out at them in the unbelievable layers of control that have been put in place to prevent their citizens from knowing the truth about the outside world, as an outsider, it is obvious that they are being fed information that paints a very different picture of reality than what it actually is. What does not get discussed is that Americans all are also being controlled to see the world in a particular way, and the people's arrogance that something like this would never be possible to pull on them makes them even more susceptible to it. Propaganda is a distortion of the truth that governments use to create a uniform belief in a certain way of thinking, feeling, or viewing some aspects of their lives. It is the control of the flow of information by the state, and it is the essence of tyranny. For several decades, a law prevented the U.S. from pushing government-created programming to Americans. But on July 2nd, 2013, they decided that they no longer cared if that programming was directed towards Americans. The Smith-Munt Modernization Act 2012 lifted the ban on government-created programming, and it effectively nullified the old Smith, I think it's Munt Act, because it's written M-U-N-D-T, of 1948, which ex explicitly forbade information and psychological operations aimed at influencing U.S. public opinion. What does a corrupt government do when they want to pass a law that they know will be wildly unpopular with the citizens? They hide it inside a bigger bill that they think people will like. In the case of the Smith-Mund Modernization Act of 2012, they crammed it in to the National Defense Authorization Act of 2013, NDAA and passed with all of the other stupid ideas masquerading as some form of terrorism prevention. The result of this law was that it allowed thousands of hours per month of government-funded programs to be created and distributed via television, radio, and internet. If people want to talk about fake news, but they are not mentioning the Smith-Mund Modernization Act of 2012, then they really are not getting to the root of the problem. See, I didn't know about that, but I, I noticed how things were, and I was like, I never really looked too much into this stuff, 
And when I would get suckered into it, I would go, what the fuck, you know? So yeah, I mean, ultimately we all believe some form of lie here and there. And if someone um, doesn't look at everything, then it's really hard to have a complete view of things. And the truth is just one person cannot do it all. So that's why I think it's so important to have, you know, people, real people working together. And now it's becoming more and more. But yeah, definitely, I don't remember this um, particularly. I just noticed by myself. So interesting, right? Their slogan in the corporate media should be your new home for government-funded propaganda. The people have always wanted to know the truth about what was really going on inside the government, and there was a time when the media wanted to know too. The old media was a check on power, but the new media only cares about checking their falling ratings. The old media might have wanted to know what really happened with SEAL Team 6 and why they went against protocol and put all of them in a 30-year-old helicopter to fly through an area of Afghanistan that is known to be a shooting gallery? Why did the military lie about it to the press? And why was the new media so willing to blindly accept their explanation with no interest in digging into the story to confirm any of it? What about the parents that pushed back against the flimsy story sold to them by the Obama administration? And where is the new media to hold them accountable? There was a time when the media wanted to know the facts behind scandals such as the Iran-Contra affair back in the 1980s, when Oliver North lied to Congress, and they even destroyed him and tried to take down the president over it. What happened to the new media with regard to the scandal known as Fast and Furious? Where were they? <laughs> they caught the Obama administration and Eric Holder red-handed, running guns through the Mexican drug cartel, and nothing ever came away because the media just pretended there was nothing to it. Nothing to it. Nothing. Then they waited out the news cycle and they changed the subject. <laughs> Wonderful, right? They were complicit in the suppression of the real story of the Obama administration rigging the FISA court or, or FISA, sorry, and weaponizing the CIA, NC, uh, NSA, and the FBI. And they acted as if it did not happen. Wow. Sorry, sorry for the screw up, but it's just bleh, mind blowing. Brennan used the CIA to settle old scores. Jane Clapper lied to Congress about not wittingly spying on the American people. And the media turned their heads in unison like the rest of the world was crazy for expecting them to actually do something about it. The truth about the situation was that the media had no balls and they were scared to death of Dick Cheney. <laughs> they were afraid to question the Bush administration because they were concerned that they will appear soft on terrorism and unpatriotic, and they feared being perceived as being possibly racist if they questioned the Obama administration. 
they do not have that fear about questioning the Trump administration because they do not believe that any of those people are still going to be around a year from now, and rightfully so, but now the media has decided to act tough and show everyone that they are not afraid to question the White House. Oh, but they certainly were terrified during the two previous administrations, and they are still scared of Darth Vader in a pastel pantsuit, who <laughs> somehow always gets a pass on her criminal deeds being brought to light in the media. <laughs> well, yeah, Darth Vader, I always go to Emperor Palpatine, he was a real piece of shit, so, <laughs> whatever. The Clinton News Network. So where are the actual journalists that work for these media companies? And what are they doing with their days? It clearly is not journalistic work because if they were in the business of being an actual journalist, they would have questions why Loretta Lynch was able to have a meeting on the tarmac with former President Bill Clinton and they would never have allowed themselves to be dismissed as a band or morons <laughs> that actually believe that they were simply discussing grandchildren. Yeah, right. Where was the media when the Benghazi event went down and the Clinton State Department pushed the embarrassing story that an internet video sparked a violent demonstration that led to the death of Christopher Stevens? Why did the media not ask whether or not the FBI took possession of Hillary Clinton's email server and examined it. They never did for the record, and the media never asked about it because they did not want to know the truth. A real news organization would want to know the answers to questions like this, especially when the head of the FBI announces that he has been lied to on multiple occasions by Hillary Clinton, but they just went silent. Where was the trusted mainstream media when it came time to investigate the Uranium One tran transaction in which the Clinton Foundation brokered the deal to sell 20% of America's uranium to the Russians? Has Charles Ortel's work on the massive fraud that is the Clinton Foundation been featured on MSNBC anytime since 2016? It would make for an interesting story for a news organization that was actually interested in real conspiracies that involve Russia and powerful American political operatives, unless, of course, they are only interested in stories that portray the Clintons like the heroes and not as the operators of one of the largest criminal enterprises on the planet. The Clinton Foundation and the recently defunct Clinton Global Initiative, an enterprise that was shut down the day after the 2016 election, when it became clear to the world that the influence peddling was no longer an option for the second place finisher in the American election, have been described by Ortel as the largest criminal enterprise on the planet, and that is really saying something considering the drug cartels, mafia, and the CIA are in competition. Wow. Did the media question the flimsy story of the death of Seth Rich, a DNC stuffer 
that was allegedly murdered during a robbery, even though his wallet, his phone, his watch and his gold necklace were all left by the thief? It does not take a seasoned FBI investigator to realize that the story simply did not add up, especially once one factors in the reality that it was the leaker that provided Kim.com with information from the DNC that proved that Bernie Sanders' nomination was suppressed by Hillary Clinton and others in the Democratic National Convention. This information was sent to WikiLeaks and Julian Assange and leads to another story that lacked in substance but was universally portrayed to be of a legitimate origin, the narrative that Russia hacked the 2016 election. Right. (laughs) They love to do that. So now, should we, like, we are saying that they rigged the election. The thing is, they always did rig the election, but it wasn't the Russians, right? It's an internal war, and we know that. So it's been going on even this last time. So we are at uh, 56%, and we're going to continue with the next uh, episode, because we are at the end of this time for this episode. So see you in the next one if your mind hasn't blown yet. Ciao, Billy.